Hello and welcome to Marketing Connected. I am your host, Janice Tan. Each week, we will speak with industry leaders on pertinent topics in the marketing and advertising scene across Southeast Asia remotely. Today's guest is Joseph Tan, CEO of creative shop Romp, based in Indonesia. A well-known figure in Indonesia's ad industry, Joseph spent more than 11 years with Malin Low Group Indonesia before leaving last September to set up Romp. Having worked in network agencies for most of his career, Joseph tells us about the mindset shift he had to adopt while running his own agency, his fairly controversial exit from Malin Low, and how Romp has adapted to right through the pandemic. Hi Joseph, thanks for joining us today. Romp does not only focus on the creative side of the business, but is also involved in other business ventures such as owning and managing tech startups and entertainment companies, as well as other innovative marketing services. Could you tell us a bit about Romp? Thanks, Janice, for having me. Um, so basically, Romp, uh, in essence, is a nine-month-old uh, independent agency um, comprising of like 150 creative specialists. And uh, we help pivot businesses through great storytelling and meaningful business transformation. So that's what I do at core. But like you mentioned before, when you are in a creative collective kind of environment, um, and right now, since we're independent, we have the liberty of striking an uh, important and strategic partnership with, with other important partners like music, entertainment, and startups, so that we can help pivot the businesses uh, of our clients in a more meaningful way. So it's expand beyond your uh, usual 360. Right now, we manage around 35 local and uh, international brands within our roster. So we, uh, we manage a big part of the telecom cell business, which incidentally is the largest telco company in Indonesia. Uh, another very big client of ours is the Indofood Group. And under Indofood, we manage the Indomie brand. Um, we also uh, manage um, Google uh, on a local remit and also for some Asia-Pacific assignments. Uh, we work on Godred. Um, we work on Prudential, Pizza Hut, and uh, a few other FMCG brands. Uh, but those are the big ones, just to name a few. Thanks for that quick introduction, Joseph. How did you decide on the agency name? That, that's actually one of the most asked questions when we interface with uh, clients and, and potential uh, employees alike. Uh, well, the honest truth is this. We, we never wanted anything overly scientific, profound. The whole idea is that keeping it really simple. We need to make it one uh, monosyllabus, easy to pronounce, and it needs to sound the same in both English and Bahasa. I think that's very important. Um, like for example, the name Charles. In English, you pronounce as Charles, but in Bahasa Indonesia, it's Charles. A word can go very wrong, right? Um, and, and hence, you need to find a name that's very neutral in that sense. Um, and uh, we thought Rom was easy, was easy to pronounce, uh, easy to remember. And also, it's a tad cheeky because I think that is kind of like the unifying traits of all the founders involved. And, uh, and we like it because it, it also really reflects the kind of playful spirit that we need to have when, you know, taking on tasks. Because as you know, our work is not exactly easy. And, and sometimes you need that, that, that constant playfulness, that, that intuition involved in, you know, investigating the brief and maybe producing really good, interesting work. You started Romp after spending more than 11 years running and building Malinlo Indonesia. What prompted you to start up on your own? 
Wow. Um, yeah, I hope you have time because that that will require a rather epic response. Um, Go ahead. I, well, <laughs> well, I think uh, the number 11 says it all really. I mean, 11 years. I mean, in our line of work, you rarely hear of a salaried non-owner CEO running a shop for more than a decade. I mean, it's really rare, right? To be honest, we had a lot of fun and we had a good run doing it, you know, being consistently on the top flight and being the agency to beat. And of course, um, during my 11-year tenure, I went through four rounds of agency name change <laughs> mm. and countless change of bosses at the regional and global level, a um, couple of new mantras and what have not. But then again, at the end, um, I feel that the basic nature and soul of the network doesn't change all that much. So, mm -hmm. so when I cross that 10-year mark, um, each succeeding year can sometimes feel like Groundhog Day to me, really. And... Um, and of course, one could argue that it's up to me to write my own destiny and chart my own course, but you inevitably need to get into the program, you know, and work within a small box uh, and it gets smaller every year. Mm -hmm. um, so on, on the other hand, even though I know I did a fairly well, a fairly good job as country manager during that time, as a self-reflection, I can't help but wonder perhaps um, maybe there's nothing else I can give anymore um, to grow this organization. This is the best I've got that I've thrown behind a decade of my professional lifetime and maybe there's nothing else to give and my time is kind of up and I don't want to get to a point of diminishing returns and mm. can't help but think that perhaps or maybe a new leader can shake things up a little and take it to a different direction and perhaps to even a better place. Um, yeah, so during my entire professional life as well, I mean, if you think about that, um, I spent 25 years in the industry and together with the agencies I work for, we chest them a lot about being great in building brands, you know, creating brand leaders, yada, yada, mm -hmm. yada, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe this time around, me and my partners want to put <laughs> ourselves through the asset test and put money where our mouths are, right? To see maybe it's time that we can build our own brand. Obviously, being in the market for a long time, we also noticed that there's a big shift on how clients uh, are choosing their agency partner. Um, we really feel that the well-respected talents out there have more cachet than, you know, big network brand agencies. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and I really have the good fortune of having awesome partners uh, whom are the very best in the area of expertise, like Roy Vishnu for creative, Daniel Siswandi for strat, and Harry Hendron for digital. I mean, these guys are the bomb, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we feel that since we are on top of our game and being veterans, our window is getting smaller and smaller over the years. So I think it's now or never. <laughs> mm. And and that's that's how, you know, after 11 years, we make our decision and, and here we are. Your exit was fairly controversial given you spent a long time at Mullen Low and a lot of the clients wanted to work with you at your new firm. How did that make you feel, Joseph? Oh, <laughs> Well, Janice, the word failure—it's yeah? quite an understatement. <laughs> I know for a fact. I know for a fact that our exit spawned a lot of conspiracy theories. Put it this way: I'm always aware that I've been a very controversial and polarizing figure in the in the industry. Um, but at the end, um, for the client, it's always going to be about the work. See, see, I believe a lot uh, that my team is the industry's best. Obviously, my clients don't want to lose that positive momentum and trajectory uh, we've collectively worked uh, so hard to get to to date. So um, 
so, so nevertheless, uh, when majority of them uh, wanted to work with us again, I tell you one thing, right? We are so bloody utterly elated and grateful, right? To say the least. Um, it really spurs to do better work um, to reciprocate that their trust in us. And when you hear those kind words, you know, give us the reassurance that we did the right thing and and uh, we had the headroom to really go and expand beyond. As a Singaporean, what made you stay in Indonesia and subsequently launch your business from there instead of other countries in Southeast Asia or even Singapore? Very good question. Um, okay, lah. in the spirit of full disclosure, uh, my, my Indonesian wife, right, she actually wears the pants at home. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> uh, not, 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 not only that, I mean, in those early days, um, um, she had a very successful career running agencies in Indonesia. Um, that, that's why for us, being in, in Indonesia makes a lot of sense for us. Mm. Then, as for me, over time, I, I fell in love with the country, the people, and the amazing food. And um, being a maverick at heart, I, I love the occasional chaos you face on a daily basis and, you know, that immense unpredictability of the Jakarta life. So I really like that a lot. It keeps me on my toe and gets my blood pumping every day without fail. And of course, all that coupled with my accumulated 16 years of experience here, you know, the equities earned, the context and network I've made, the know-how, you know, I learned how to navigate um, through the, the nature of the business, the amazing team that we've got, a market of 270 million people, growing middle class. So really, it's no-brainer that I mm. stayed here and decided to start ROM um, here. So tell us, Joseph, how has it been like running your own agency after so many years being part of a big network? Wow, um, I think it's probably like asking Zayn Malik how he felt after leaving One Direction. <laughs> to be honest, it's, it's, it's like how I felt when I started my career you know, as an, a, an account executive. I mean, in Singapore, Mayu, in Singapore in those days, being an AE is like the most scary job ever you have to face, right? You know, the fear, the anxiety, the excitement, the uncertainty, the anticipation, the butterflies in your stomach. It's almost like you, you, you take a, a brief, right, or a sub or, or drop rag to your very scary, uh, multi-award winning um, creative pair, people like Tom Kaiming, right, and mm-hmm. ask him, say, uh, can you make my class logo uh, big, big price, big, big, you know, that, that kind of <laughs> <laughs> scariest time ever. You know, you know but I, I really miss that feeling a lot. You know, and obviously, uh, sometimes when you're in network for a long time, right, you can't help but to be, slightly complacent, you feel you're in a good place, you know, and, but now on the other hand, on the other hand, you get to create your own playbook uh, mm. without having to dovetail into the bigger global network play, which I think is, it's, it's very, very exciting for me. But of course, at the end, you also face the constant dichotomy of like nothing to lose, but also everything to lose. Uh, but all having said that, I love it and we really revel in it. What are the differences between Singapore's and Indonesia's ad industries? I, I think by and large, the dynamics um, uh, between client and agency are all similar. You know, you've got to earn your trust. You know, there are obviously um, good clients and some whereby you don't really get along with. You know, so, so nothing changes. You know, in the agency, you've got a diverse bunch of talents, managing people's agendas and, and egos and what have not. It's pretty much the same. Um, I, I guess the only difference is the kind of output um, that we are talking about. For example, right, if you to ask any agencies out there in Singapore, uh, on an average, how many TVC they pumped out in a year, I would say they were 
probably be telling you, oh yeah, we do like maybe what 10, 15 TV commercials a year. Mm-hmm. That is the amount of TVs we pumped out in a month. So mm-hmm. I think volume is, is a big difference, really, the volume of work, you know, and the pace could be really fast as well. But I don't see any much difference in terms of, um, in terms of nature and dynamics between the Singapore and Indonesian market. You know, uh, again, they've got great talents in Indonesia, just like, in, uh, just like Singapore and uh, very uh, amazing, um, smart clients as well and, and, and the demands and the rigor required. Given you started Romp right before the pandemic hit, do you sometimes wish maybe you were still part of the big networks? Let me put it this way, right? Um, in a network, you know, um, when you are a company managing director, CEO, the financial numbers you commit in the beginning of the year is sacred. To us, right, it's signed blood. It's very important. Well, I understand um, it, it has got to be only because all network holding companies are publicly owned. There's no room to meander the numbers. So when the numbers go south, so were the stock prices, right? So, so that is very important uh, to understand. Uh, mm-hmm. Me, myself, I survived the 98 Asian financial crisis and the 2008 global crisis as an agency leader. I can tell you this for a fact. I remember some of this heart-wrenching moment, right, of laying off people. In fact, uh, in the 98, uh, I remember laying off 22 people at one go in one afternoon. Wow. And all, all those things are required because you need to hold, hold the numbers in dark times. You need to make a lot of sense. You need to be really strict in how you protect the, the integrity of the financials, right? And, and to really answer your question, right, I'm personally actually relieved that we're independent uh, during this time because uh, um, I believe we have the freedom to exercise the right sense and sensibilities um, to navigate the agency in this crisis uh, while maintaining morals morals and integrity, um, even if it means taking a big hit on financials. Um, mm. I really believe that we'll be stronger when we come out of this. So mm. um, in short, I, I'm glad we are independent right now. How has Romp adapted its business strategy during the pandemic? I think first and foremost that every single person needs to understand Zoom and Google Drive and Google Docs. <laughs> I think that is fundamentally very important. Um, we just got to learn how to be a bit more effective and efficient. I mean, look, it's very hard because when you're in the creative environment, right, nothing beats huddling around, scrumming around, coming up with ideas, you know, brainstorming, the workshop and what have not. So, and, and now that we are all working from home, we need to harness back those, those energy and dynamics as best as we can virtually. And I, I think having constant uh, conversation, keeping things in check, it's also very important. Of course, um, giving reassurance that we're going to be fine, getting people to you know, keep the spirit up, hunker down and keep delivering, I think is very, very important. Mm. So I think, I, I think that mindset has absolutely got to be there. That, you know what, uh, no time wasted. We are even more efficient than before. No excuses for coming up with six out of 10 work, nothing stopping us from doing uh, mm. equally good work uh, given the kind of time that we've got. So um, I think we, we, we need to be striving for balance really to make sure that in bad times, everyone's suffering from anxiety and people are nervous, but you just got to keep that moral up a lot so mm. that uh, nothing gets lost, quality stays up and, um, and just keep plowing on. Right. Okay. So tell us, Joseph, what's the mindset shift you have had to adopt now that you're running your own agency? Hmm. Uh, 
I think my set really never uh, changed, that, uh, changed that much, to be honest. I mean, we never waver from our belief that only when we pivot, our client's business will as well. Mm-hmm. So striving to be better and uh, constant elevation is a given to, uh, for us as professional, we feel. Um, but in terms of uh, coming over to Rome, um, the one thing we need to constantly remind ourselves is that we need to remind ourselves the reason why we started Rome in the very first place. If not, we are simply Malin Lo Mark II with a different name, and, and uh, that's a non starter. And not only that, I mean, being nine months old, we don't have legacy as a company. I mean, we've got no global aligned accounts on the silver platter. We don't have any global IP, no corporate playbook, no global guide. So we have to be damn bloody good in our craft, relentlessly. So not having the global network behind us will not be a handicap for us, right? Mm-hmm. So I keep telling uh, our troops this, right? So net-net on a daily basis, we need to have the underdog spirit, but need to punch like a heavyweight champion. What was your biggest challenge when working in a network? See, the thing is, this, me, me being an agency head uh, in my job as country head and CEO for a long time, uh, I personally feel that aligning global, regional and local market agenda can be very challenging. Make no mistake, I mean, no-brainer as well. The world is getting more diverse and polarized um, with the ever-evolving culture and consumer dynamics. We do not know what we do not know can lead to a lot of misjudgment and false feeding. And looking through the world and market through a specific lens sometimes can be very shackling as well, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think the other thing is, this is my observation, right? Um, having been with a uh, different network is that to me, a solid network is one where they have equally strong and profitable operations across their dots on a map, which means in Asia, every single office in Asia is damn good, you know, in terms of output and profitability. But the minute they are not, meaning that maybe there's a big disproportionate uh, level of uh, quality and profitability, that's where it gets really tough, you know. So when it's time to share the honey pot, uh, that's where the tension can arise. You know, mm. everyone is expected to bring home a big bacon, right? Yeah. Every year. But when some consistently don't and still expect to have an equal share, you know how the story ends from there. It, uh, that's where friction starts, you know. So um, that's, I feel, something that can be very challenging for in-country CEOs. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mentioned earlier on about financial rigor expected working for network. It makes perfect sense and much needed. But um, personally for me, the constant reporting, monitoring, analysis, evaluation, and all the financial performance indicator and jargons like staff cost ratio, revenue per employee, etc., etc. right? Sometimes do make me feel like I work for J.P. Morgan. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> not not going to lie, not going to lie. I'm totally not missing the monthly financial reporting and calls. What do you feel needs to change in Indonesia's ad industry? I think they are moving in the right trajectory, really, in terms of output, the quality. But let me put it this way, right? When I started my career in 1995, the construct and ways of working and process in an agency, right? The, the same way we configure an ad agency then, it's exactly how we're doing it now. But maybe the problem is that the clients are still paying for man hour and not output. Mm. Hence, there's no real incentive to push for efficiency, which means the more bodies you plow onto an account, the more people you put in, the more man hours you allocate to the business for a client, you get paid more. 
So I think that's the conundrum, really. I mean, that's the elephant in the room we need to address eventually. So mm. um, st- still working on it, but I think that is the core of the problem. And I think the other thing is this, right? I think it's happening everywhere else around the world, not just Indonesia. I mean, we us creative agencies, right, uh, are not sexy. Tech startups are the new beacon. Any startup even selling Nasilama as a startup is more sexy than us right now. And I remember asking my cousin, right, uh, who is going to graduate from uni, I said, what do you want to do, right? And she said, oh, I want to join a startup. I say, what startup? She said, I, I don't care. Just any startup will do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of lure they've got. And if we don't give these talents a good reason to join our fraternity, right, then it's going to be the same talent circumventing around the industry for the next decade and we cannot evolve. So I think that is something we have to watch out for constantly. Mm, okay, so how can ad agencies in Indonesia draw these talents? We see ourselves as a bunch of creative collective. Um, that's why we're not just dealing with uh, doing brand comms for clients right, or digital work. I mean, we're helping to make movies. Uh, right now, we're helping uh, to launch um, uh, 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 Indonesian uh, Islam, um, Muslim Blackpink uh, band in Indonesia. Uh, we, we are aligning with esports company. So we mm-hmm. are diversing a lot into creative ventures. I mean, we are owning and incubating a few tech startups. We're even putting in our troops in the startup to work there as, as an employee over there to learn to help them pivot their business as well. So, so by allowing that very diverse avenue to channel their expertise and to grow and to learn, is something I hope would draw talent into the fray. What tips do you have for brands that want to expand into Indonesia? I think uh, local sense and sensibility is very critical. Mm-hmm. I think ha- being an expat uh, in Indonesia for that amount of time, right, uh, has taught me that, you know, um, the regional expertise uh, that I've got will play a very small part. Being fully immersed into the local culture is very, very important. It's critical. And, and look, not all Indonesians are the same. We are made up of a very diverse bunch of people from different parts of Indonesia. And we all have a very different and distinct way of thinking, attitudes and behavior. And you need to be able to manage that, um, not just for employees, but clients alike. You know, So, mm. so and hence applying the, the right sense and sensibilities, um, it's to me very critical. What are some things that brands and agencies in other Southeast Asian countries can learn from Indonesia? I think um, that Indonesian clients are very, very loyal. And I think this whole, um, I I never felt the kind of rapport I've got with my Indonesian clients uh, compared to the other markets I have, right? Because um, the, the kind of clients we have are amazing. I mean, uh, the kind of friendship, the kind of camaraderie, the kind of mutual respect uh, is there. So, but at the same time, you need to earn it. I, I guess just like anything else, but I, I, I do say that the kind of relationship uh, that agencies have with the clients over here are very meaningful, very intense and very long-standing. And, 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 and once you get there, um, you go a long way and that affects the kind of output that you're going to have, you'll make a difference in the client's business. Uh, people will be happy working on the business as well, even though it's very demanding. And and so it's literally a win-win-win situation for all. I think that's something that I believe is something very interesting and enlightening about um, the Indonesian market and and working here. Mm. That the, the relationship can be very rewarding. 
Here's a fun fact which I'm pretty sure many of our listeners might not know. Joseph has a background in chemical engineering and yes, I was pleasantly surprised to hear that. So tell us, Joseph, what drew you to the advertising scene? Oh my God, it's a long story, right? Um, Okay, let me keep it short. Um, After having graduated from chemical engineering, I was uh, sent to work in a chemical plant uh, as an intern. Mm-hmm. So on my first day, right, they gave me a white laboratory coat to put on. And no offense, uh, maybe I was put in the wrong place, um, but I just spent the worst time ever in a lab, the most boring time in a lab with um, people that's not really similar with me. And, mm-hmm. and I realized that um, I can't wear nice clothes anymore to work because mm-hmm. I need to put on this white lab coat and I'll be but in a lab for a long time and measuring chemical agents and doing some experiment. And I knew for a fact that as much as I love science, that is not going to be the profession I want to pursue. And um, so eventually I, I went to Australia and um, managed to do an internship in, a, in an Australian agency and, and that changed my life. And I know for a fact that's what I want to do and, and, and my career started from there. What's the one thing you wished you knew before entering the advertising world? Actually, none really, because every time it's always a new discovery. You know, there's always a screwed up. There's always new surprises. And I actually enjoy those new discoveries and surprises even until now. So I wouldn't say, is there anything I'd like to know? But, but, but all, the, all, all this constant new discovery actually makes it interesting for me and my, and my, and my job really fun and and enlightening on a daily basis. Thank you for listening to Marketing Connected. I am your host, Janice Tan, and we will be back next week with another session. If you wish to learn about innovation and digital transformation for your business, visit our webinars page at webinars.marketing-interactive.com. Once there, you will have a whole range of topics to choose from which will best aid your business needs. The Marketing Connected series is produced by Marketing Interactive.